Good morning and welcome to Garden Gab here on KBEK. My name is Joe Keyport and today again, once as always, I'm joined by Rod Greeter, the horticultural educator for Isanti County as we are here to talk about non-traditional gardening. Rod, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's still a little warm, Joe. It is. I, you know, it's too early to be this hot here in minnesota it is it's not a good sign no well rod let's just start things off you're probably gonna be talking about it being hot and dry so what are some things happening and going on right now in gardens well the topic we were just uh mentioning here hot and hot and hot and hot how about that and throw some dry in there too if you're a gardener trying to keep your lawn green uh you're probably out there irrigating that's something that uh, if it's your lawn, you you know you might want to just wait that out because lawns are generally pretty resilient and can recover. But once you start watering it, they're going to want water, and then you're going to be stuck into doing that uh, through the whole season. With a garden, obviously you want to get the, those seedlings that everybody's got in the ground now and their transplants in the ground. You want them to get off to a good start. So people are watering, irrigating. I've seen some fancy drip irrigation systems mm. up and down rows. So uh, people use a lot of different methods to do it. Uh, some catch rainwater in rain barrels and lots of different things. But you want to irrigate uh, uniformly mm. because the plants, something like a tomato doesn't like it when you soak them down and then it goes completely dry for the next week and then you soak them down. So you want to be uniform about it. And we, uh, in extension, talk about water wisely which means you know, doing it uniformly, not more than you need, and mulching and other things to preserve the moisture, right? So mm-hmm. what you put in that soil, you don't want it to evaporate the next day when it's 90 degrees. So you throw some mulch on there, whatever it might be, and keep that water where you intend it to be with the roots of those plants. We're also seeing things like jumping worms. I keep mm-hmm. talking about that. And we uh, educated people last uh, Saturday at our, at our plant sale in Cambridge, and they they can be about an inch and a half long right now they're just emerging from their eggs they can get up to seven inches long and the way to identify them or distinguish them from a regular earthworm is they have a little kind of milky or white uh, band Hmm. about a a third or two-thirds of the way up towards the neck and they don't necessarily jump but they wiggle pretty fast and they move uh in an s pattern like a snake not 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 straight line like a normal earthworm so we're advising people if you buy plants check them out wash the roots just make sure you're not introducing them into your garden and in your landscaping uh this dry weather brings out the pests so we're starting to see potato beetles cucumber beetles you name it Hmm. and joe did you know there are 350,000 different species of beetles i did not i mean i assume there's a lot of bugs but 350,000 beetles. I think that's a little overkill. A little bit. But there are a lot of them out there, and it's now is the time to be getting out there and picking them off if you've Mm -hmm. just got a few plants and getting ahead of it. Cleaning up weeds, it's always better to do it early when you can use some mulch or you can use a a kind of a surface hoe. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go down very far. Last thing you want is when they're taller than the crop and the roots are 12 inches in the ground and it's hot and dry like this and the ground's a rock. Those weeds don't want to move. No. So we've got some upcoming events. I'll talk a little bit more about those uh, at the end. All right. Well, gardening is such a broad term. So what are some other things besides growing vegetables that master gardeners can provide education on? Yeah, that's kind of the thing most people think when you say gardener. It's vegetables in your backyard garden. But uh, as master gardeners, we actually have seven different priorities 
and areas that we cover. Oh. One of those being gardening or horticulture. And then also we do some education on local food, so farmer's markets. We uh, talk about biodiversity. Hmm. So like we talked about all the species of beetles, well, there's lots of species and subspecies and varieties of many of our vegetable plants too. So we're trying to maintain those as resources for diversity. Uh, also pollinators, we, we know how important pollinators are to our food supply. We talk about uh, clean water, climate change, and then nearby nature. How can we all get out in the woods and, and enjoy nature and calm down? How about that? Yeah. So we talk about all those priorities and then things like house plants and there's more exotic plants. And we are uh, honored today to be joined by Jill Arnoldy. And Jill is one of our Isani County Master Gardeners. And Jill is uh, an expert and very knowledgeable. She's talked to our Master Gardener group in the past about orchids and succulents, a couple things that I just can't get to grow. And they're kind of specialists, and you got to know what you're doing. And I'd like to have Jill share a few of her learnings with us. Hi, Jill. How are you this morning? Hi, fine. I'm trying to stay cool like everybody else. Yes, that is the theme. Well, Jill, what makes orchids so special? We hear a lot of people talk about uh, their orchid collections, and, and what makes them so special? First of all, I think just a variety of the orchids that are out there. In Minnesota, a lot of people just grow the Thalianopsis orchids because they seem to be the easiest to grow. But the beautiful blooms that they have and the continuous blooms. Yeah, that's, that's something that I like because when you plant some irises or peonies, you know, there there's a lot of color there for a week or two or three and then they're gone. But with orchids, you're right. You can kind of maintain that through the season. So you mentioned that there are certain varieties that are easier to grow. Well, what makes the other ones tough? What do you have to know to be successful growing orchids? The first thing is watering. Um, on all types of orchids. If you don't water and correctly, you leave these orchids in damp moss or substrate like that, the roots will rot. They have to be able to, to get air and to be able to dry out a little bit. And in order to have a healthy orchid and healthy blooms, you have to have healthy roots to start off. So you, you talked about the importance of watering. Now, I've heard, whether it's a myth or whether it's true or not, but something about ice water and orchids? Oh, that's one of my pet peeves is people that buy these orchids that are called ice cube orchids. You're supposed to give them like five ice cubes a week. And it would be the same as if somebody came in and put five ice cubes on your back. It just kind of jolts this plant. These are tropical plants. And you can imagine if you put ice cubes on this plant, how it's just going to send this plant into a shop. Will it kill it? No. But is it healthy for it? I don't feel, and some of my fellow orchid growers feel that ice cubes in a plant is just crazy. And it's so much easier. You just take your plant to the faucet. Just let the water flow through that orchid to make sure that bark is wet. And then that's it. I mean, it it's literally takes hardly any time at all. I can do all 16 of my orchids within a half an hour, and that's checking the roots, checking the, the plant, and putting them back. Well, besides the importance of correct watering, what's one more quick thing 
to be successful growing orchids? To get the right kind of, and I'm going to use the term soil, but actually it's not soil. It would be bark. You can add a little bit of sphagnum moss to it, but in nature, orchids do not grow in pots. They grow on trees and branches and everything. Hmm. Yeah. And so to have a, a good bark for these plants to grow in, and don't use terracotta pots or plastic pots only for the orchids. Make sure that those roots can get light and they can have air going through the through the side of the pot. Let's talk a, a minute or so here about succulents. So I've tried to grow succulents or in the past, and I can maybe keep them alive a few months, and then I invariably lose them. Uh, why do people fail with succulents? What's one of the keys there? And first of all, define what a succulent is. A succulent is a plant that has a fleshy leaves that are water retentive, which means that they absorb the water, the moisture through their leaves, and that's what feeds the entire plant. Now, a cactus is a succulent. All cactuses are succulents, but not all succulents are cactuses. So what's one of the keys there to having success with succulents? Like the orchid, you don't want to overwater them. They will rot. Um, If they're in soggy soil, it's just not healthy. The roots can't get the air, and they have to have the dryness. The other key is in Minnesota... You can have a succulent, say, now I'll say the jelly bean plant. In its nature, native land, a jelly bean plant grows in the light year-round, in the sun. It adapts to that. But in Minnesota, we don't have that much of a growing season. So the plants here tend to associate the winter months where it's not as hot, not as dry air. Uh, We do have dry air in Minnesota in the winter, but not as it would be in its native habitat. So up here, most of the succulents should be in a filtered light. All of mine are outside, but they're not in direct sun because the sun is going to burn them. So you mentioned uh, cactus, and I think you mentioned uh, jelly bean. What's, What's one of your favorites? Oh, I, I love the jelly beans, and in the wintertime, they're, they're all green because even though I have lights on them, they need that sun, the brightness, not full sun, but the brightness of the sun to make them change colors, and they'll be anywhere from like a, a pale red on the ends to a, a, a purple almost. If a leaf drops off, if one of the little jelly beans drops off, You lay it on top of the dirt, and you'll have a new plant. The other plant I like is the flapjack. They look just like little mini pancakes. It's just a neat plant, how it grows. You can just see all these little plants, all these little pancakes on a stem. Well, maybe I'll have to try some flapjacks and jelly beans. It sounds like an exotic (laughs) breakfast. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Jill. Thanks for sharing your expertise on orchids and succulents. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, Rod, and again, I appreciate Jill for 
sharing her wisdom here with succulents and orchids. You mentioned a little earlier that you got a bunch of events and stuff coming up. Yeah, we do. Uh, one I want to talk about real quick is uh, farm safety. We're doing a youth farm safety day on June the 22nd from 1 to 4 p.m. the Pine County Fairgrounds. And we're going to talk about uh, anything you can think of under that umbrella of safety, mm -hmm. whether it's tractors, ATVs, working in shops, uh, working around animals. We're going to have a lot of great speakers, a lot of hands-on learning, and we'd love to have as many uh, youth that spend time on a farm. And 60% of the injuries and accidents that happen to youth on farms are, are uh, kids that aren't working. Oh. Okay? They're just there. They're playing. Yeah. They get stung. They get charged by an animal. They fall off a tractor while they're just playing on the tractor. But over half of them aren't really working there. Interesting. So you, you got to be safe even if you're not a, a farm worker. And we've also got a June 19th event at Anderson Park in the eastern side of Isani County coming up on uh, June the 19th at 10 a.m. And it's a pollinator workshop. And it's open to the public. So we all know the importance of pollinators. If you want to learn more about how you can provide uh, habitat for them, please come to that meeting. And if anyone has any questions, they want to get a hold of me or some other master gardener like Jill, they can call our yard and garden line. And that is 763-689-8255. Awesome, Rob. Well, as always, thank you so much for stopping on by and chatting with us. Thanks, Joe. And I hope everybody stays cool and make sure that their gardens are watered and, <laughs> and the kids are safe that are out there helping them.